I'm Max Temkin. I hope this sounds pretty good, says Patrick Klepik. Uh We have spent so long setting up a whole crazy soundboard for this episode. I think it's going to sound better. It's going to be better than uh, Robo Patrick when I recorded you poorly on uh, Skype the other week. That's fine. Uh, and this is episode 10 of the Rewatch Podcast. This week we are watching episode 10 of Lost. All the best cowboys have daddy issues. Um, this was uh, our second Jack flashback episode. It was a really solid episode. I, I kind of forgot how amazing this episode was. Yeah, like the, the, the best parts of Jack's character arcs are his relationship with his father. Like, well, and just, and I mean, forget that, even just the on-island yes. stuff is so good. I, things are moving really, really fast. So, and much, so much groundwork is going to be laid. I yep. feel pretty confident saying we're going to have some spoiler chat at the end of this episode. Yes. Do you feel good about that? I feel good. Um, hmm. We have to be, so ladies and because we didn't talk about this before, but I'm going to try and describe it in vague ways. Uh, so there, there is something that happens at the very end of this oh, episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Do not call it what it is, because we don't know that We don't know, that know yet. what it is. Okay. So there is, right. there is a way that you would describe, yes. obviously, what they find in a way that yes. would give away too much, so Correct. be... But, but in spoiler chat... In spoiler chat, we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll but I just, like, yeah. I thought of that as I was looking at, like, questions and analysis, because everyone uses the term. Yep. And I don't, I don't want to use that yet. Okay. Well, we'll get to that. Um, all right. Well, let's see. What? Uh, so we've been, we've been on and off for the last few weeks. Um, but a lot of, I think lot of stuff going on. Yeah, but I think we're, I think we're, we're back for the foreseeable future. We'll weekly, I think so. Weekly format. We had like, uh, I was off at Gen Con, and we had PAX and all kinds of, uh, all kinds of happenings. But uh, I think we're, we're both back in Chicago. Yeah, we, we, we apologize to folks, Joanna, in the, in the first follow-up. You know, desperately waiting for next week's podcast would happen. Love freaking out and desperately waiting in New York City. We're sorry. I think it was uh, I think it was uh, Seth Boyer, a musician friend of mine in Seattle, uh, said when I saw him at PAX was like, "Hey, really enjoy your uh, your guys' podcast. It's my favorite biweekly Lost <laughs> podcast." Uh, so, well, we decided to go even more niche. Is like you know, not instead of weekly, we're biweekly. Like right. we're really we're really stretching out uh, a twenty three episode first season. Yeah, uh, well, but I think we're yeah, I think we're okay. I think we'll be able to go more regular, of course. Then something, of course, will probably come up as, as Max checks the audio to make sure it's still working. I think it's working. Well, so we so our most uh, biggest complaint about the show has been uh, that we don't exactly know how to record audio in a good uh-huh. way. So we, we have all of our camera and audio stuff from like PAX and all the conventions just sitting in the office. So I, I rigged up the soundboard and two wireless lobs and we're, we're trying to... Yeah. That's a more professional... You know, sure, professional so long as it works. Like the equipment's professional. I don't know. I see a lot of blinking red lights. Yeah, I think, I think it seems like means, things are being recorded. That seems good. <clears throat> All right. So um, let's see. I have uh, we we had some uh, we had some good follow up uh, from last week from uh, our friend our friend Ron. <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm going to do this one. <laughs> Greetings, boys. <laughs> As a huge Lost fan, I was very happy to find your podcast recently. That said, I finished listening to Confidence Man, and I have to say I was disappointed in your lack of, of the lack of, in your lack own knowledge coming when you started discussing the theme of missing body parts. And I'm not sure. And I'm sure I'm we not have to the be first. Ca- mm, we I, have I to won't be... screw it up. I won't screw it up. Okay. And I'm sure I'm not the first to point this out in the intervening weeks. Similarly, not knowing who the others are at this point is like not doing your homework. The information is out there. You just have to read up on it. Given that you've no doubt watched the entire six seasons, it's kind of a big point to err on. Some things might be open to interpretation, but some, like this, are not. (laughs) (laughs) Nevertheless, I'm enjoying the program. Keep up the interesting work. Ron. Uh, So let's see. I mean, here's the deal. 
we, in, especially in the spoiler chat, we have been getting into the all of the crazy mythology of Lost and like the backstory and stuff. And uh, I have gone online and I have read everything that there is to read, all of the grand unified Lost theories, and I still have no fucking clue what's going on. It's still extremely impenetrable and dense, and I don't know how and to... And it's very easy to forget some of that stuff along the way. Like, part of the fun of this and the reason why we've increasingly done the spoiler parts is like, oh, right, like, I don't remember any... A show that yeah. I was so obsessed about knew front to back... Uh, I have very quickly in a couple of years like forgotten my encyclopedic knowledge of that show. Well, and the fun of rewatching the, the the first season again is, you know, it's like I do know how some of these big plot arcs uh, resolve, and I don't remember how they're set up. So it's fun to see mm. things get set up in the first season and be like, oh, I see, this connects to that, connects to that, and they're laying the groundwork for this and that. That's that's really cool, and I think that's where you see us being really surprised. Um, but also, we're, we're not. This is not like the Lost Encyclopedia show. Like I, I would say, like for for me, the fun of the show is like discovering all this stuff again and stumbling through it and getting to talk about it and uh, and hang out. So, um, you know, I mean, perhaps there, uh, perhaps uh, perhaps Ron should start his own uh, encyclopedic <laughs> Lost. Uh, uh, He'll in, start in, his info, own program, Infocast. His own, yeah, I do like that he calls it a program. I don't mean to make fun of him, but I really enjoy the fact that he used the word program. It just it makes us seem way more legitimate. Yeah, it's not a. Lost podcast, it's a lost program. Yeah, well, we do have a soundboard now, so... Well, pretty... as soon as we saw this email from Ron, we decided we needed to step it up for yeah, a program whoa, that whoa, we... Yeah, whoa, 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 let's, whoa. Uh, let's get serious here. Let's get the soundboard out. Uh, you want to do the next one? Sure. Uh, this comes from Ryan. Uh, I thought playing... Oh, so this is in the context of us talking about uh, the Ooh, various can we do sort this? of like... Do we have to wait, save this for spoiler chat? Mm, ba-ba-ba... Because no. the whole premise. Okay, go for it. Oh, okay. All right, yeah, okay. I'll cut that out. I think we need to come back to this. We'll we can cut it out, but I, I'll cut out the spoiler part, but we can talk about the rest. Uh, so Ryan says, thinking back to your early podcast where you mentioned uh, Jack was supposed to die and Kate uh, would be the lead, uh, which is from, a, I think, the first episode where we talked about they were talking about flipping the script on Lost and having uh, Jack killed off very early and Kate becoming a female lead in the show, which would have been awfully progressive, uh, even now, but uh, especially back when Lost premiered. Uh, so this got Ryan uh, thinking about uh, that that would be a cool game to play. Uh, just imagine if they didn't mention that at all and release the game. You start playing as Jack, and at the end of the first episode you die, cut to black, lost. Um, and I think that is a, a neat idea, the idea of like rather than trying to actually play within continuity of Lost, you would actually just say, screw it, like, why don't you, you know, explore an alternate sort of universe uh, version of Lost. So, I don't know, I really like this idea of a, of a Lost video game. I, I'm constantly reminded of the image that got passed around while Lost was on of... Like, people do this all the time, but they take, like, old uh, LucasArts scum uh, interface and then, like, create, like, a pixel version of, uh, like, if LucasArts had made a Lost Oh, God, if there, was ever, if there was ever a Tim Schafer game that I really want to play, it would I wonder like... if Tim Schafer likes Lost. It would not surprise me. That's but a good like question. A, like, like a like a zany a zany lost where mm-hmm. you play as Hurley and you have wacky conversations with all the the non main characters and you have to like do quests for them and how fun would that be? There's puzzles. <sighs> That'd be good. Yeah, That'd that would good. really uh, that would really. Uh, There's got to be like be right in my wheelhouse. There has to be like some eight bit Michael Gia. I don't want to say I, if I say his name wrong, then someone's going to correct us. It's Gia, Giacchino. Giacchino. I don't think that's it. You think it's Giacchino? Yeah, I think that's what someone told us. But what do they know? 
People told right. us that the premiere was wrong, and we and we just blindly we were like, someone wrote a correction. Yeah, you know what? You know what, Ron? I don't about. know if you've been listening to the whole show, but sometimes we get corrected, and those people are wrong. So we've decided at this point to just cast aside all aspersions to being correct, or that our readers are correct. Yeah, no, and we're, we're run we're, with it. We're always right. Our gut. We just that's listen, fair. We listen to the gut. That's fair. Gut's so the gut never leads you wrong. So, so that's uh, the feedback. You can you know you can send uh, emails to rewatchpodcast at gmail and send us feedback as well. There's a Google Voice number that we never write down on the sheet that I will find at the end if you wanted to share uh, a voicemail uh, or something along those lines later. Did you, do we have any voicemails? I'll look. Okay. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll get some of those in at the end. Um, all right. So we have, uh, we have an amazingly cool interview um, this week. Patrick uh, was able to track down uh, this guy, Andy Page, who made the Dark UFO website. Do you want to kind of set up what, what Dark UFO was? Yeah, Dark UFO was... Infamous during Lost Run in that uh, it started as so. And Annie will get into this in the interview, but it, it started as a place where he just so Lost was filmed in Hawaii, you know, predominantly. And starting, I believe, with the second season, um, they would premiere the episode, the first episode, in Hawaii to an audience uh, ahead of the actual premiere on ABC. And so Dark UFO got started. Uh, because Andy noticed on an IMDb message board for Lost, someone posted a detailed summary of the first episode several days ahead of the actual proper premiere. He put that up uh, on a website, and then it got a ton of traffic, and it kind of goes from there, and then he builds a whole website. He runs like a, uh, a spoiler like community website now that like handles stuff like this for all sorts of different properties, and he's kind of turned that into a side business. He also plays poker. Really? And it's like his main thing he does. He plays wow. poker professionally. Uh, so anyway, Dark UFO had this like really, uh, you know, it was at the nexus of like lost fandom. Like if you wanted to go to the dark side, which I think you've mentioned that you have before or did for a while, in which if you wanted to know casting breakdowns for characters that were going to be in the show, uh, if you wanted to see bits of scripts early, if you wanted to know what the finales were all about ahead of them actually premiering, Dark UFO became the place uh, to be. And as a result, Dark UFO had like this, this really contentious relationship with the creative staff because they would try and clamp down on uh, exactly what was getting out there and it would still get out there. And you have folks like Damon Lindelof actively going to the press and talking a lot of uh, smack about this because obviously they're, it's a show about secrecy. Like they, they wanted to surprise the viewers. So we talk a lot about all that stuff. It's really, really interesting. I think they're like probably the most... Interesting bit is, uh, you know, it, obviously it's just one side of the story, but learning that uh, ABC or Lindelof or no one ever actually formally contacted Dark UFO to take anything down, which seems kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but, but also not entirely hard to imagine that someone wouldn't think of the obvious thing to do, which was maybe this guy would be uh, okay with kind of kind of handling it. So maybe we should... Instead of me summarizing the whole interview, maybe you should just listen to it. All right, so here we go. This is our interview with uh, Andy Page, the creator of Dark UFO. Hey there. Hey, Patrick. How are you doing? Hold on. I had to flip on my headphone power. So, Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Oh, cool. I've probably got the cheapest set of headphones and uh, microphone possible here, so it might sound a bit tinny. Oh no, it sounds just fine. I, I super, okay, cool. Super appreciate you taking a couple minutes of your time. I hey, no <laughs> can't worries. believe I got it mixed up there, but I guess it works out either way. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I had a couple of free-ish days, so it worked out well. Um, so yeah, like I said, super appreciate uh, you uh, spending the time. You know, rewatch podcast is you know uh, where uh, my friend Max Temkin of Cards Against Humanity and I are kind of running through uh, the series again, given that it's kind of ten years later, and we just wanted a excuse to watch the episodes again and try and claim that we had a a legitimate reason to do so um and it's interesting when we were trying to come up with folks that we wanted to talk to uh you know talking to the the people or person behind dark ufo was definitely at uh the top of the list partially because between max and i we we split on different lines i was uh one of those complete anti-spoiler types wanted nothing to do with what was coming down the pike and at least early in the show, he was one of the guys that was going to Dark UFO every single day, wanted to know as soon as casting lists were out or potential characters for the next season. Um, so why don't we start sure. with sort of the, the history of Dark UFO? Like how did you – how does one find themselves in the business of sort of collecting uh, information about uh, a television show? Well, to be honest, it, it was totally by accident. I'm, I'm just some – I was just some random bloke in England who uh... – who got hooked on the show when it showed over here in um, on Channel Four in the UK? It it aired, I think, um, about halfway through the season, your season one, as it was. So we, we, I was quite late. I didn't, I had no, I didn't know what spoilers were or anything, and um, I managed to download all the episodes off the internet and. Um, I, I was me and the wife were thoroughly hooked on the show. So when season one finished, I ran to the internet and uh, tried to Google as much as I could about what was happening in season two, what was in the hatch and all that sort of stuff. And um, during that time, I started sort of, I had a little blog going, just collating all the all the outstanding mysteries that were on the show at the time. And um, that, that part of the blog got picked up on a thing called Dig, which was very big in its day. It was basically an early version of what, what is now Reddit. It's amazing um, how many of those kinds of websites we've gone through in like the last <laughs> ten years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, so, so that, that that gave us a huge number of. I mean, I, I don't know. I was averaging probably fifty to hundred people a day reading the blog in those very early days in two thousand and seven, I think it was. And all of a sudden, woke up one morning. And I was twenty five thousand hits on the site, hundreds of comments. I thought, what the hell's going on here? Found out it got. It got digged. And then from there, I thought, well, obviously, there's obviously an appetite for this. I expanded that part of the site. And at the same time, I was um, still looking for what what was in the hatch. And I came across um, a report from Hawaii, which was the the Sunset on the Beach premiere of the season two premiere, which I think aired about two or three days before it actually aired in the USA. And there was some guy from Hawaii who wrote up a very detailed uh, synopsis of what the episode was about. I then went and posted that. I think it was on, on, on the Internet Movie Database forums at the time. So it's quite funny looking back at those reactions. It's a shame that the uh, those forums no longer exist on the Internet Movie Database. They, they sort of purged them every uh, six months. Oh, that's too but, bad. Yeah, I should have saved it. That was, a, <laughs> that was quite a funny thread. So from, from that point onwards, I was seen as the... Uh, like this spoiler guru, which I really wasn't. I was just reposting stuff that uh, I'd found elsewhere. But uh, so I started a spoiler section of the um, Dark UFO sites, and then 
as that got popular, we sort of expanded the whole site to cover things like the polls, letting users submit theories, um, sort of the cast and crew in the media, if there was any sightings of them, that sort of thing. And But obviously the main thing was the um, the, the spoilers and sort of the, the news items relating to the show, like post-episode polls. Uh, uh, we, had, we had a couple of writers working for us who, who did... Uh, uh, reviews of the episode after they aired uh, and that sort of thing so it really sort of snowballed from that very early hit on dig when i was just uh collecting making lists of all the outstanding mysteries on the show and, and just got lucky to find that that hit on google um for what was in the hatch and, and how did you end up on the the name dark ufo it was actually a name i, I used to be in a uh, a techno trance band and that was the name of the band. We were sort of a, a bit sort of not new age and out there, but it was a bit weird. And that was the name uh, we came up with at the time. Um, so yeah, it seems like you kind of stumbled upon sort of an opportunity, and then realized this was something you could actually make something of. Like how 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 far did this go into the realm of becoming like a full time gig for you, or was this something you were always doing on the side at night and just kind of scraping it together? Yeah, it started off uh, just as a side thing. I'd, I'd do uh, some in the morning before I went to work, maybe a little bit at lunchtime and then a few hours in the evening. But as the seasons went on and the site became busier and busier and busier, I mean, we, we were getting sort of millions of hits a month and um, uh, sort of two or 3,000 comments a day across the site. So that, that obviously was taking more and more and more time up. And I was, was in between, I pretty much just was on the verge of retiring from work and becoming a full-time poker player. So it, it fitted in quite well with my schedule. I could have three or four poker tables on the screen at one time and the other, my other screen was a dark UFO. So that's when news <laughs> came in. So it, it, it worked very yeah. well at the time. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, it, it did become almost full-time. In the last couple of seasons, it was pretty much when the show was airing um, – the day before and the day after an episode was pretty much 16, 17 hours a day on the site. You and got quite manic. The, the, the first time you came across like this IMDb summary that, that gave you a sense of what uh, the, the premiere of season two was, you know, up, up until that moment, you know, you were kind of like everyone else. We were all shooting into the dark and, and just kind of compiling the mysteries and trying to do with the, the evidence that we had already. And then at this moment, you suddenly have something that's ahead of what you could actually watch. And you, you sort of cross a threshold into, I'm going to enjoy parts of the show ahead of actually seeing them play out. And what, what was that like for you to actually sort of move into that sort of section? Yeah, it was quite strange because I, I'd, I'd never, I mean, I, how old was I? I was probably, th- I was probably 30 at the time when, when Lost first started, 30, 30, in my early 30s. And it, I'd never sought out spoilers on the internet before. I hadn't really had the concept of it. And, and I guess the internet at the time was was at a stage where it was really primed for that sort of interaction. More and more people on the internet, Twitter was taking off. So it was very easy to share uh, information quickly, um, especially smartphones as well. People walking by, seeing filming, could very quickly get their photos onto the sites. So that sort of part, it all sort of, it was like the perfect storm of everything happening at the same time. A show that I was invested in. I, I've always been into websites and this sort of thing. 
and the, the sort of the uptake in technology was at that a point that people could get the information to us very quickly and have it posted um, and we and via things like say Twitter and the RSS feeds we had we could disseminate that information very quickly out to a lot of people so it would say it was like a perfect storm of everything just happening right at the right time but you're right before then I had no no interest in spoilers it was just this one show lost that just hooked me and did you like being spoiled oh yes <laughs> well for, for you what was what was the appeal um I guess it was it was a couple of things. I mean, a you you, you like the kudos of being the guy who knows things that other <laughs> yeah, people don't. Brag. You know, it, I mean, it, 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 it wasn't the, the build and end all, but it, yeah, it's, it's quite a nice feeling. Everyone sort of looks at you for the information, and and you, you get some kudos with that. But um, for me, I mean, the show like Lost was was very much in its early days. The mysteries and what was going on was was sort of sort of uh, foremost in most people's minds. I mean, yes, so there were people who just liked to sort of watch it and be surprised when it aired. But a lot of the, the fun from seeing other people was, was trying to write their theories, second-guess what was going on, seeing their theories validated with spoilers. Um, so, yeah, it was strange because, uh, say, I'd never been interested in spoilers before, and um, it, it, now, now it's my full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I saw on uh, when I was uh, perusing uh, Dark UFO this morning. You're now part of a, a website called Spoilers TV. Yeah, I mean, basically, when 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 they announced the end of Lost, I was sat there playing poker. And I think, what the hell am I going to do when Lost ends? Because <laughs> luckily, unlike a lot of shows, they just sort of cancel it or they give them a one year warning. Uh, ABC gave um, the writers, I think it was three years. Yeah, it was at the end of. Like the middle of season three, in the middle yes. of the, probably the longest stretch of the poorest quality episodes in the entire series, when they negotiated that three-year end date, which gives you that gives you a long time to prepare for what you're going to do after loss is over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, very, very, very fortunate um, having that sort of heads up. I, I slowly sort of compiled a team of people who were helping me with the um, the dot UFO site, and we we slowly built built uh, a site Spoiler TV, which was try to replicate it to a little bit what was what we were doing on dot ufo but but covering all shows so people could submit spoilers set photos casting calls uh that sort of thing to us and we, we could post them for all shows obviously it didn't go in, in as depth as as the dot ufo site where we had the theories the mysteries the polls the reviews and stuff um but but it was Building up a lot of contacts, it seems a shame to sort of just throw those away when Lost ended. It's actually use those to to do another site, um, and, and that's I mean that that's again very lucky. That's picked up um, in terms of sort of sites, page views, and um, people visiting the site as much as, as as the Lost site did. Now, it seems like Dark UFO epitomized sort of like two different. Uh, camps the, that were that were watching the show Lost, and this is something that you know was endlessly discussed when you know the the final episode aired, in which you know the, the last episode of the series caters much more in the direction of people who are watching the show for character resolution, and then the you know the writers will argue that that was their <laughs> aim all along. You know, obviously the mysteries were important, and they were a huge part of of the show. Um, but, you know, the, the resolution of the show is very much about putting these sort of characters and their arc to rest, uh, which led to a lot of ire about, you know, what was the point of watching the show. And Dark, <laughs> Dark UFO, you know, seemed to underscore 
that other camp of we're here for the mysteries. We want answers to all those mysteries. And anything around that is just sort of means to the end of discovering why we were watching this in the first place. Yeah, it's strange because when the episode um, ended – we always run a poll as soon as the episode finishes the poll goes up on the on the main site and um people can vote uh, i think it was out out of um other excellent great okay poor awful uh, and the, the feedback i was getting from a lot of the online people who were much more invested in the spoilers and the mysteries as you were saying i really thought the poll would be very skewed to the awfuls but it was it was um quite surprising that that most people actually did like it i, I think because the, the site, like the show, over the years, we 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 got a only one part of the site was was purely for spoilers, and we didn't allow any any spoilers to creep into any other. I think it was about twelve other parts of the site. We didn't let anything sort of filter into, into those other areas. Mm-hmm. So people would come to Dark UFO for the reviews, the polls, reading other people's theories, and so I think we actually we built up quite a large audience of of those those other types of of viewers who weren't there in like the the initial crowd for the mysteries we picked up a lot of the the general the general folk as it were um yeah so so that that poll at the end was i'm just trying to find it now i think it was about um they made about 50,000 votes on it and i th- let me just see if i can find it But yeah, it, it it was very split. I mean, the, the comments in the it was, you know, either way, it wasn't lopsided. It wasn't like the 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 general reaction from Dark UFO audience was like, oh no, that was that was terrible. Yeah, no, I was I was very surprised. Um, just having a look. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the actual episode itself rated at about halfway. If it, we had a league table, all the episodes rated, um, and the end was in the middle so it wasn't i i the vision of it being like being voted the worst episode ever and all this sort of stuff uh that that title went to strange on a strange land by the way <laughs> well deservedly so i think yeah <laughs> but yeah so it's in the middle objective about it i think where stranger <laughs> in a strange land was yeah Jack <laughs> yeah that, that was yes it's that was uh rooted to the bottom um, um but yeah so yeah i mean it, it, as, you, as you as you know at the time it was very divisive uh, various online reviewers either loved it or hated it. Um, I personally loved it. I mean, I, I thought it was a great, great ending. Um, and, and and I've always thought it like 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 a road trip. It's not the, the actual end point. Isn't the the fun of the show? The the the, the fun of a road trip is the actual the trip itself. And um, uh, that's that's always been my view. They were never going to end it pleasing everyone that was pretty much an impossible task um but i think what they did did a great job of of what they did do you know one of the things that uh was more clear to me when i was reading up on the site uh and less clear to me uh at the time because again like i said i was actively avoiding your website just because (laughs) um maybe i had this idea that you go to it and it's just spoilers on the front page but obviously you, you took you know you were very careful and you you curated that, but I just I had I, I was trying to avoid it at all costs. But uh, you, you, know, you weren't I, alone. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I have to imagine you had scuttles, and I, you know I was reading some interviews with Damon Lindelof, in which you know so they publicly discussing. I think some of the more well-known incidents were 
sort of the explicit spoilers uh, for the finales of season three and for yeah. for season four. And I'm I'm curious how you felt from from your end when this cro- when this went from just something you were doing for the fans to having maybe you know you're not emailing with Damon and Lindelof, but you're <laughs> you're kind of having this broader conversation out in the public based on what you think you're doing for uh, diehard fans of the show and what the creative staff thinks th- is right for the show itself. Yeah, I mean, the the, the real big one was the um, the season three finale. With the uh, Obviously, it was a, a flash forward rather than a, a flashback. Um, and they'd actually got off the island. And uh, and we, the, the basic history of it was someone out there gets to see what's called the the dailies these are the uh, tapes that come back from filming before pre pre production happens on them and someone sits through them and, and I, I don't know what they do on these things but they sit through them and uh, i guess they make notes and um uh, time points on on the videos so they can give them to the the editors to sort of cut and slice uh, and this guy whoever he was we still don't know who he is uh, called uh, he was called lost fan and he emailed, it was actually, um, uh, remember there's a, a movie site called AICN? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Annika Har- It's still yeah. found, yeah. Yeah, Harry, Harry Knowles. And I think he put a, a review up um, or, or a preview or something. And, and then this guy called Lost Fans posted this whole great big long um, blow-by-blow synopsis into the comments. Um, they then took that, they then removed that those comments and um, I think pulled the post down. Um, this guy then emailed me and said he was going to release these anyway. Did I want first dibs on them? <laughs> wow. And I, 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 to be honest, I really didn't know what to do because it was a full blow-by-blow, scene-by-scene account of the, the, the that finale with, with the big twist at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did labour for a couple of days what to do. Uh, eventually, I put a, decided I put a poll on the site and trying to get some feedback from Lost fans, see what they thought. And it was pretty much split 51%, 49%, I think it was. Should I release them? Should I not? The reason we did release them in the end was was that because I had enough time to to work with this this guy, Lost Fan, I, I was able to sort of warn a lot of the other bigger sites, saying, look, these spoilers are going to be coming out, regardless whether I post them. He was going to post them anyway. Um, I, so managed to sort of try and get, get some semblance of a warning out there, saying, look, lock down your forums, be very careful, these spoilers are coming out. And what we did, rather than release them in one great big uh, post, we released them um, small sections at a time leading up to the finale. So try to minimise the impact as much as possible. Because there are dickheads around who will copy and paste what we did and just throw it onto a a harmless forum for non-spoiler peoples. And and for those guys, it it, it would ruin it. I mean, that's Um, the the equivalent of when... uh... You know, they were they were kind of funny, but they also horribly depressing. But when, you know, people were waiting in line for, you know, one of the Harry Potter books in, oh, in which yeah, yeah, major yeah. character dies uh, and they were going around screaming it at people while they were waiting in line <laughs> to buy this book. And it is funny, but it's also horrible. It's for the person being shouted out. Yes, it's horrible. Um so, I mean, that's why we, we, we try to be as careful as we could. I, I still don't know to this day, all these years later, whether I did the right thing or not. Um, but it, seem, it seems like you, you know, you know, I can understand from 
the creative staff's perspective why they would feel the way they did. But it seems mm. like from from your perspective is a little more nuanced in that you found yourself in a situation to maybe try and distribute it a little more responsibly than what would be just a random post that had every single one of the spoilers, you know, weeks in advance as opposed to, you know, slowly doling them out for people who kind of want a little hit. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but that it, it kind of mitigates the damage as opposed to what, what a single post could have done. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that, that's, that was, that was, that was my justification for doing it anyway. Um, it was just trying to minimise it because this guy was going to post them anyway. He'd sent it to another site, and they would have posted it probably. So I was, I was quite lucky that he sent it to us. I mean, I'm happy to, to receive spoilers. I mean, I've got no problem with that. But it was just the magnitude of this one. And, and <laughs> you found the you, you found, yeah. you found like the, the the chest of gold, and then you don't know what to do with it. <laughs> exactly. And I, I yeah, I mean, I mean, it did did play in my mind for several days. I really didn't know what to do and the other thing we did was rather than post it as text i put it into an image editor and create it as a graphic ah. so that it wasn't quite so easy for someone to type it verbatim so whoever did did want to type it in they would have to <laughs> go the extra mile <laughs> yeah but yeah I'm, I'm, there were still people typing it up and spreading it but hopefully we, we managed to reduce it a little bit I, and i know there were people who, who were spoiled by it and um uh, and that is a shame for people who don't like the spoilers. But the people who, who did love them when we posted them, they, they, were, they were mad about it. That they they thought it was, um, they thought it was great, and uh, they they still thought it was uh, it, it was a fake fake out because of the uh, sort of they, they'd actually got off the island, which no one they thought a bit like Desmond being in the hatch. They didn't quite believe it until they saw it. Did you ever? get a sense who you know this person was and what their motivations were because you know for yourself there's you know a little bit of notoriety you've built a business out of this you know like there there's sort of you can kind of see you know what you had in it other than just the fun of being invested and lost but you know lost fan 814 he is just a random guy in the set who's never going to be identified. Like, did, he, did you ever get a sense of his motivations? For yeah, I, I don't think he was a guy on the set. I, I think he was a guy in the production offices. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, right, because he was getting yeah, dailies. I, I, right, he was right, getting right, right. dailies, yeah. I mean, that's the only way I, can, I, I could have assumed that he got such a clear scene-by-scene -scene blow. Either that or he, he had access to one of the scripts. Right. But, but, but the fact he had it for – because he, he, he also uh, – gave spoilers for uh, the Greatest Hits episode as well. And then the following year for the finale. And again, that was blow by blow two weeks before the episode aired. It just I just got the gut feel that he was actually watching the episodes as opposed to reading scripts. And what are you, you know, looking back on Dark UFO and the, the sort of interaction it had with, you know, the creative types, the community, like, what do you feel like the legacy is of, of the site? Like, what do you feel like the impact of creating or being part of that, the creation of spoiler culture sort of in the modern age? Like, how do you, how do you feel about that, you know, uh, years out? Yeah, no, I mean, it was, say, it was born out of an accident and it, and it grew into something huge in the end. I mean, I think on the, on the final, the day after, 24 hours after the finale finished, um, I think we had, I think, 1.7 million people on the site in that 24-hour period, which for us that was unheard of. Um, I mean, that that was that was crazy. But but for me, the, the the best thing about building the site over those sort of six seven years was sort of the community of people and the number of online friends I've made. 
And a lot of those people who were there with me at the start of the site in WFO are still friends now doing the, um, the work for Spoiler TV now. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very proud of it. I mean, it was a lot of work at the time, an awful lot of fun. Um, yep, a few things I could have done slightly differently. I would have liked to put more, <laughs> I would have liked to put more advertising on the site at the time. <laughs> but uh, I was a bit naive in those days. But uh, yeah, but say so quickly going back to the the finale, uh -huh. I always said to myself, if anyone from ABC ever emailed me, Damon Carlton, any of the ABC execs, say Andy, look. This post is a bit too put too detailed, too much. Would you mind taking it down? I would have taken it down with the, at the drop of a hat. No so one ever emailed never me. Never actually heard from anyone in any capacity. No. That's no. that's that that's, strikes me as incredibly odd. That yes, absolutely. That you know you would see, you know, interviews with you know, uh, you know, Damon Lindelof seemed to be the most vocal of mm. of of uh, the, the creatives on on that staff, but that you know that he would go and you know do an interview for an an EW column, but not take two seconds to, or just have someone, you know, I, <laughs> yeah, it anyone. strikes me as I like, mean, why, why not even try? I mean, we, we've had, um, takedown notices on spoiler TV for things like the walking dead when we've had, um, some leaked set, set photos or leaked, uh, videos. Um, and I take them down as soon as I get the email. There's no point burning your bridges with the networks and stuff. So I've never had a problem with taking stuff down if someone asked me to. Yeah, that's that. That's, yeah, I, yeah. So I mean, looking back now, it's even odder. I mean, it, but you know, what's so unique about Lost is that, and I have to imagine this came up in conversations with, you know, uh, Carlton and Damon and and folks involved in that show is that, as much as they probably lamented what was happening on sites like Dark UFO, it's also part of what made that show. You know, yeah, the, yeah the, absolutely. You know, the, the Dark UFO audience was not giving Lost the big ratings that allowed it to be <laughs> a big budget show. You know, I mean, that was a, that was always the interesting part about the show. It was that, you know, people got upset with how many times, uh, you know, it explored Jack and uh, Sawyer and Kate's relationship. But that's also what got a shitload of people to watch that show. Oh, you know, they, they weren't watching because of what was in the hat. <laughs> they were watching yeah. because they were, wanted to see who got with who. And that was kind of the secret sauce of that show was that it, it had that huge audience. But I have to imagine they knew, as much as they hated seeing that stuff show up, it was also a testament to the fact that they were onto something, that people wanted to have that stuff spoiled for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I'm sure there's a lot of shows out at the moment would love to have a site like sort of Dark UFO <laughs> sporting stuff for them. But because, it, because it, you're right, it shows the interest in the show. Have you uh, have you ever had another show that has grabbed you anywhere near the the way Lost has? No, and I, I don't think it ever will. I mean, I, I, I mean, there's lots of shows I I enjoy. I mean, the, I enjoy The Walking Dead, but it's that's a very different beast to something like Lost. Uh, and I, I think think the whole thing with Lost was it wasn't just a TV show. They had the a it was a mysterious show, lots of questions. Um, it was also the right time of the internet where everything was just building up and picking up. The fact I was invested myself in, in running a site about the show obviously increased my enjoyment. But no, I, I can't say I've there's many shows out there which I have to stay up and watch in because I because being in the UK, I I'd have to I was up typically sort of three, four in the morning to watch a, a very bad um, live stream of the episode as it, as it aired in the US because it's impossible to run the sites. 
Oh, right, because the seasons would air later in the UK. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I would have even even record even downloading it through a torrent the next morning. That was no good for me. I had to be ready when the episode finished to get all the theories <laughs> and polls. So, I mean, the, the night of an episode, I, I would go to bed in the UK about eight pm, wake up about two am, and then work through for about eight hours afterwards. So wow. I go back. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah, when the when the show was on, the twenty four hours before and after were crazy. I didn't know whether I was coming or going half the time. Yeah, and that was such a beautiful show too for you to have to watch that in some crummy live stream. <laughs> That's the worst. Uh, yeah, I mean the quality was awful. And it was occasionally chop out. But yeah, and the next morning, on my back, my tenth cup of coffee, I would I would download a, a, an HQ version from some dodgy torrent site somewhere so I could watch it in, <laughs> in full HD and actually appreciate it more. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, they were good times. But yeah, I mean, looking back, I'd, I'd struggle to do that now. I, I need my beauty sleep. <laughs> um, well, I guess before I let you go, are there, are there any other stories that stand out from your time running the site that, that we didn't kind of get to? Is there anything else that uh, kind of like, you know, kind of sits in your mind when you when you think back about running the site? I, I think the only major thing I think, and you touched on it a moment ago, was the, um, the Kate, Jack and uh, Sawyer part of the show i mean I, when the show started i had no no idea what a shipper was or a ship <laughs> i had no idea and all of a sudden i'm getting these hate mails from jaters and hate mails from skaters saying i'm biased <laughs> uh, it, it was one of the funniest things i've ever seen um you should uh, i wish i'd kept some of these emails they were just just unreal but it, it really opened my eyes up to to that whole that whole shipping world and, and we see it carry on now in a lot of other shows which we run on uh, Spoiler TV, things like uh, Vampire Diaries and, and those sort of shows, where they're, they, they're very heavily invested in a particular couple. And, and some of the comments and emails you get are, are similarly hilarious. But yeah, that, that first introduction to the world of shipping was uh, quite an eye-opener for me, being some, some random bloke in the UK suddenly getting hate mail from these teenage girls. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Andy, I, I super appreciate you uh, taking some time to to chat with me. And then, if folks want to follow what you're doing these days, you know, they want to get spoiled for other shows, they can go to is it, is it spoilers.tv? Uh, SpoilerTV.com. SpoilerTV.com. Um, and yeah, you know, I like I said, I was on the side of avoiding your site like the plague, <laughs> but uh, I, I definitely, in retrospect, think it was uh, really fascinating. So uh, uh, I really appreciate your time and uh, good luck with uh, everything in the future. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. Take care. Take care, Patrick. All right, thank you so much to Andy Page uh, for his time. Uh, that was a very cool interview, presumably. I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, it, no, it, it was cool. Was I, I was, okay. it was pretty I good. I listened to it. I can't even say that with a straight face. <laughs> I'm sure it was a really cool interview. I can't wait to hear when we edit. Um, but, uh, yeah, good work, Patrick. Nice. Uh, yeah, he was very, very, very generous with his time. Nice and scooping. Thank you. I feel like that's our that's a big scoop for it's us. It's a legitimate one. Yeah, um, yeah he, was, he just had a lot of really interesting stories to share. Um, like, <clears throat> so one of the ones that he talks about and then we discuss in the interview is when he got his first real spoiler dump for one of the uh, you know that's the technical term you know when you get something leaked that has a spoiler dump mm-hmm. and so uh, when you do it it's a scoop yeah it's in in the TV community it's spoiler dump got it and uh, so when he got this information he tried to think about what he should do with it. like so so the, the, the long and short of it is that uh, Andy discovered the guy who was leaking stuff in an Ain't It Cool News message board thread about okay. Lost. Ah. And then he contacted him 
uh, and this guy, I forget what it is, it's mentioned in the interview, but um, he uh, said, hey, do you want to give this stuff to me? Like, I'll put it up on my website. And from Andy's perspective, he knew this stuff was going to get out anyway, so Andy came to an agreement with the guy who was leaking all this stuff that he would put it out in small chunks, right? Like a little bit today, a little bit tomorrow, a little bit the day after. And in Andy's mind, he was actually doing the show a like a solid because the alternative was that weeks in advance, the entire plot was known and searchable on the internet. And Andy was able to mitigate that and release a little bit at the time and kind of, huh. you know, tantalize that out. So, you know, I mean... And he says he does, you know, obviously things he would have done differently, but he thought he was actually in some ways protecting the show because it could have been a lot worse. You know, the creators will probably feel differently about that, but uh, I thought it was that was a kind of an interesting nugget of how he sort of handled the dissemination of that information. So, um, well, let's talk about this week's episode. Um, I'm I'm dying to talk about this one. Um, yeah, it was good. It's it's a solid Jack episode. I, I kind um, of think this this is a. It might be the best Jack episode. It, although it, it may it may be. I was I mean I was I was riveted by the back. But I forgot how good this backstory was. It's like one of the only like great Jack backstories. But man, this is just a real like a seminal episode of Lost. Like so much mythology is introduced. Like so many things get explored. Like so much like DNA of the show is is which is what we've gotten in the last couple of episodes, right? Yeah. Like it's kind of been back to back, like just high octane. If you know where the show is going, you look back at these moments and go, oh, my, you know, like you know, not to jump ahead, but you know, like the thing that happens in the last couple of seconds of the mm-hmm. episode. Like mm-hmm. you look at that and you're like, oh, buddy, yeah. oh, buddy. Like you just get excited yeah. because you know where all that stuff goes and where the show is <laughs> at its point is just like, you know. The, the peak of the mountain, and yeah. like you just don't know how much is hiding beneath the surface. Well, let's, let's get the Jack stuff out of the way. Yeah. Um, and then, because I, I think all the, as usual, like all the B story stuff was, was, was way more solid and interesting. But uh, so let's see. So the Jack backstory, uh, basically, like his, uh, he gets called into surgery, then one of the nurses calls him into surgery, and his father is operating, and his father is uh, out at lunch drinking, and his hands are shaking, and he. He, he does something that they call nicks the hepatic artery of the patient and the patient dies. That sounds really bad. Is that the thing where in the first episode Jack's like, I cut this woman's thing and then I had to count and it was like spaghetti? No, He's like, I want it was like spaghetti spilling everywhere. I don't, hmm. Well, I can't say if that's related to a patient he works on and is introduced in a later mm-hmm. episode. I don't know if that's true. Well, or please that. send all your comments regarding that to Patrick at giantbomb.com. <laughs> If anyone knows that's an actual medical term, please let us know. Yeah, I'm curious. How bad is that? Uh, yeah, and also if that's the thing in the pilot, which we could easily go discover. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so uh, then there's uh, some conflict of, like, Jack confronts his father and says, you know, you were drunk and you shouldn't have been operating. And there's an inquiry from the hospital, like, the, the husband or whatever wants, of the, the, the woman who dies wants to press charges, and then Jack finds out in the in the proceedings that she was pregnant and at that point he says can I revise my statement and I don't you don't see it but presumably he he says you like know my father, my, my father was, yeah my father drinking. was drinking and and uh I, I guess I I was pretty much implied like that around then is when his dad goes off on a bender in Australia and that was ultimately right that's what, how we start connecting <clears throat> all these what did all these in. plot threads and yeah it's 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 a really like when you're watching the episode like it's a deeply they actually create a certain amount of sympathy for both sides. Like, Jack's mm. dad makes the argument that 
he's a flawed human being that has ultimately done more good than bad and although he is has screwed up or you know he you know you know potentially in this one surgery if he if he came in and he had been drinking it was it was impaired that the thousands of lives he has saved because he's an excellent by by all accounts an excellent surgeon uh you know does that is it worth ruining my career because of that one screw up and then you like compound that on top of this being his son so you know then you're less sympathetic because obviously he's laying into the emotional weight of a son betraying his father even if it is the right thing to do like, it just has like a lot of really meaty interesting stuff that you know i imagine most people have not dealt with you know having to rat their father out for drinking during a surgery but certainly you know you can sympathize with the idea of like having to stand up to an authority figure that you feel conflicted about i mean he is super manipulative of jack too yeah i mean that that whole conversation where he you know tries to admit uh up to the fact that he has not been a good father as you but using that as leverage to make him you know jack feel bad and not want to say anything it's hard to you know, you want to be sympathetic because in some level you maybe see the point that Christian Shepherd's making, but you also then very much get the sense that Christian Shepherd has been doing this Jack's whole life. Yeah. Like, this is a circular, familiar conversation that he has had, whether it's, maybe it's about drinking, maybe it's about bullying. It's a well-rehearsed uh, speech. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like there's a reason it sounds so compelling coming out of, out of his mouth because he's given it a million times before and it's worked a million times before, and there's no reason for him to think that it's not just going to happen this time. So on the island, um, they're basically they they form a search team. They they actually form two search teams, which is a hilarious, yep. uh, really really funny moment. But basically, uh, Locke uh, knows how to how to track Ethan, uh, so they go off uh, after Ethan looking for uh, Claire and uh, uh, what's his name Charlie, and uh, Jack, uh, Kate, and Locke form one party. Michael wants to come with, and he's got Walt there, and Locke is like. Uh, he's like, we don't, we don't need you. Just slow us down. Um, and the camera cuts to, to Walt, and Walt, you can see Walt really looks up to Locke, and here's Locke like being a real dick to Michael. Yep. And Michael's like, well, maybe we could do two search parties. And Locke goes, yeah, good idea. We're going north. You go south. Which is, <laughs> and he goes and does it. He does it, and it was a, I mean, a really funny line, but also like you can tell, like it's uh, very condescending. It's very condescending, and and it does feel like like Locke is. Playing Walt, like he is playing uh, Walt against Michael a little bit there. Like he's he's whether intentionally he's or just like as a result of yeah. his attitude. I can't tell if he's if it's conscious, if it's like a manipulative thing. But he is making Michael look pretty stupid in front of uh, in front of Walt, and then Michael um, has is, he's so stubborn he can't take no for an answer, and he then he goes and does his uh, search party. Um, so uh, then basically on their search, like Jack is uh, uh, he's like a madman. He's like what, way out in front of everyone. He's he, you get these real these the sense right off the beginning of the episode that he's just totally like disoriented, like well, like stumbling, you know, just like pushing himself really hard. Stumbling well, Locke tries to send him back. It makes the yeah. completely reasonable argument that you know <clears throat> even if you remove that Jack seems to be acting sort of erratic, that you are the only trained physician on this island. If there was some sort of skirmish to occur, like you would be probably the worst person to lose out of the entire group. Mm. Um, and, you know, just they drive over the point multiple times. There's a point earlier when they first, uh, when, when Locke and Jack are first going after Ethan in which uh, Locke says, hey, let's go back to camp. Let's get help. Let's get supplies. 
And Jack says, why don't you point me in the right direction? And Jack just goes sprinting off. And multiple times Jack is given an out, but you know he clearly cannot give up this idea. And we learn later exactly why he can't give it up. It's because he didn't believe what Claire told him. So he feels this deep sense of responsibility to bail her out because they could have protected her more had he taken her more seriously. Well, what's, what's the, I was wondering, is there, what's the connection to the backstory there? Like, is, is this real, is like Jack's, is he like feeling guilty about his father or something? Or is I mean, it, I guess it's this idea. I mean, at the surface level, it's just Jack can't give up, right? He can't yes. let it go that his father was drinking. He can't let it, like he's, he's a stubborn guy. Yes. But that seems like a pretty surface... Um, so there's, there's, a, there's a decent tie-in to uh, one of the pieces of trivia. Um, but yeah, so the, 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 this episode was originally called What It Takes, which is a reference to a line that Christian says to Jack in mm-hmm. White Rabbit earlier in the season. So I actually think your surface-level take on what the connection is between the backstory and the island stuff is probably fairly accurate. It's just this idea that and we see this earlier, like when Jack in White Rabbit, and he, when he's exhausted, he is incapable of sort of stepping back, letting other people uh, take over when he is not capable of, of doing that. And, and if anything, that sh- that this episode shows that like he kind of shares that characteristic with his father, right? Like his father is clearly has a drinking problem, refuses to admit to that, and finds all sorts of reasons to dance around it without allowing his son yeah. to kind of take the mantle. That's that's probably where I where I this this started to make me uh, like I always felt a little weird about the connection between the backstory and the on island story because the parallel to me was never between Jack and the past and Jack on the island it was always between Jack on the island and Jack's father right of like Jack's father was the one who couldn't take a hint from the reasonable people around him and he was obsessed and he's like well I he made it all about him. He was he was being grandiose, right? Yeah. He's like, I'm such an amazing surgeon, the world could never live without me, so I have to keep being a surgeon. Right. Right? I mean, I think he really bought that argument in the same way that Jack is like, I let Claire down and I'm responsible and I have to fix this. Like, it's not about Jack. Like, Locke, yeah. Locke and Kate and Michael should have been the ones to go after him, but I don't know. Maybe I guess, I, I guess at this point I still really like Jack as a protagonist and I, I like him as like a leading man and it's like I think they're really pushing your buttons um, in the audience to be like how, how far are you going to stick with this guy yeah. um, as he gets really obsessive and, and weird um, so let's see then uh, eventually they, they find uh, one of Charlie's uh, finger stickers and uh, where he writes he writes the letters <laughs> on his finger stickers and uh, the, well that's where we discover then that you know Kate's got another you know and learn a little bit more about her backstory, at least. You know, this is another example of the show. So, like, you learn something about her backstory without them really getting into it. Although they do get into it a little bit later when oh, Jack that. presses her uh, on it. But, do you know the uh, cool thing about that? This what? might be a spoiler chat thing about, okay. about Kate's father. We should, we'll hold on to it. Okay. Do you know okay. about it, though? Uh, no, you'll have to remind me in spoiler chat. Okay. Uh, and we learn that Kate has... Uh, an experience being out in the wilderness. Her father was, I think, in the military. Is what? That's right. Yep, that's right. In the he, was in the, he was in the army or something. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, so then he, you know, she, she, I think, ends up describing the like the woods, the outdoors, as the sort of like her her father's religion, and mm. so that explains why she has some uh, experience tracking. This allows Jack, uh, who makes the argument they should split in two, even though Locke says we should stay as one group. 
uh, Kate is able to go with Jack, but you know, even though Kate has tracking abilities, like Jack is still like running ahead, being a crazy person, like incapable of like letting Kate do her job and just like point me in the direction, and he sprints away, which leads to like a, a whole lot of conflict where Kate reasonably brings up. Hey, show, dude, like, what the hell is going on? The show, it does reward Jack all the time for running a, running into a situation like an idiot. Yep. Like, every time he stumbles onto the thing that they need. Um, and eventually, he so he does, he finds Ethan, and Ethan says, stop following me, uh, or I'll kill one of them. And they, he punches Jack, and Jack passes out for a few minutes, and then they start off again. And a few minutes later, they find Charlie hanging on a vine. Uh, and Jack uh, uh, won't, uh, he, there's very dramatic, you know, uh, uh, he won't stop uh, uh, punching him in the chest and then he wakes up. Um, Which is was, connected directly to the flashback because right, right. there's a moment early on where uh, Jack takes over for Christian in, in the first incident uh, in the surgery and Jack is unwilling, at least initially, to give up on Yeah, and he eventually he goes, you, you call it, right? Yeah, like, he, he tells his father to call yeah. because this is... You know, implying it is it is his fault. Did you uh, do you remember when you when you watched this the first time? I was like I was like, oh man, Charlie's dead. That that's oh yeah. I was like, that's what this is about: is that Jack can't give up and that Charlie's dead. And um, it also, I felt you know Charlie, you know, far and away was the most notable actor on the show. Like I guess if you watched Party of Five, maybe you knew who, you know, uh, uh, Matthew Fox was, but like. Far away, like if you saw Lord of the Rings, then you knew who Charlie was, and yep. like Charlie was doing this TV show, so it wasn't going to shock me if you know in a show that clearly was doing twists and turns and had tons of characters that they might kill Charlie off as a way of sort of shocking the audience up front that hey, like there are gonna be characters on the show and you're gonna lose them, and they really, I mean, they take it about as far as you can take a uh, a the implication that he's actually dead before they kind of bring him back. From oh, the break. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Even watching, it's like, it's unnerving, like, the amount of time that, it, like, they give up. Like, yeah. Jack actually gives up and uh, tells Kate, you know, when Kate says to stop trying to work on them, he, he stops and then goes nuts. And, like, the way they film and the sound of him, just, like, slamming his fist on his chest is, like, it's deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. More, I have another spoiler chat thing about this. Oh, I feel so bad for the people who are have the integrity to not listen to the spoiler chat because they're watching Lost for the first time. Cause good for you. Good, I agree, good. You're going to have the best viewing experience. Write us a letter and tell us about it so that we can believe that there are people doing that. Spoiler chat about uh, punching Charlie in the chest. It's also another one early instance of the life and death theme, which is far and away like the best theme yes. of... Uh, in the show, it's it's certainly my favorite musical cue. That, uh, the other the other thing that, that I like about how that ends, oh, it's a musical. Life and death. Oh, life and death theme just, is like, a, thematically like life. No, 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 no. Life and death is like dun 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 dun. Like it's one of the more. Oh yeah 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 yep yeah. yep very stirring. I associate that yeah. a lot with the first yeah the first season especially. Um, okay, so, and oh, the other note uh, I just had about that was like, the way it ends, they don't find Claire, which I thought was really, um, I thought that told me a lot about what kind of sh- show Lost was going to be, that they end this episode and they don't find Claire. Like, everything is right. not okay, right? Um, yeah, it's not all tightly resolved, like, it's actually kind of uncomfortable that everyone's back at the base camp and just like, well, yeah, now like, what? Yeah. Claire's still out there, didn't figure that one out. And they actually, 
you know, even though you said earlier that the show constantly rewards Jack, like there was this good moment where you're actually not sure. So when he gets in the fight with Ethan, uh, you know, Jack has a history of being mentally and physically exhausted and uh, appearing to see things that are not there. Mm. So that was actually a pretty decent moment where on your first viewing of the show, you have a r- good reason to believe that maybe Jack is just seeing Ethan and that he did just slip. So when Kate comes over and says, you know, I don't, I don't believe you. I don't, I don't think you actually saw Ethan. Uh, you know, it, it creates a little bit of friction that is at least reasonable both on the part of, of Kate and of the viewer because he has seen hallucinations well, before. It, it is a, a strangely filmed fight with Ethan. Like, he appears to have, like, super strength. Yes. Did they film it? That I mean, you got that impression? Yeah, de- well, they definitely, you know, this is where they make the turn, you know, and you get a little bit of this when Ethan confronts uh, Claire uh, and... Uh, uh, and Charlie is that like he's a very imposing figure. Like mm-hmm. he is clearly confident and strong, and is someone to be feared. And they they spend a lot of time in the cinematography of this fight, like establishing that notion of like this is someone you should be scared of. And yeah, like given some of the weirdness we're starting to see on the island, like the idea that he would be like potentially supernatural or superhuman in some way, like, it's not necessarily seem outside the realm. Of, of where the show seems to be heading. Um, and, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a brutal fight. Like, Jack doesn't... Jack swings and misses, like, three different times. <laughs> he says his head slammed against the ground in the middle of the rain. Um, so let's just do the, the B story really quick, and then we'll jump to the thing at the end, which is, I think, yep. the most I do. Oh, I do want to say... Yes. My, it has... This episode has one of my favorite uh, lock moments in the whole show is when he turns to Boone and says, uh, it's going to rain in one minute. Yeah. Let's, then... let's do the whole Lock and Boone thing okay. again. All I right. have a couple things about that right. that I love. But yes, I agree. That's, gah, what a good moment in the show. Uh, okay, so the B story is, um, it mostly is around Walt. Walt has a number of, of interesting conversations with people. So Walt has a really interesting conversation with Sawyer. Um, and then uh, he is also playing... Um, Backgammon with Hurley, one of the most right. amazing. Right, right, favorite, right, 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 right. One of my favorite little scenes. Um, uh, so the Walton Sawyer one is when he tells Sawyer, when, when he's trying to be a uh, tough guy to Sawyer, and he tells Sawyer that Hurley's back. Who got taken by what? Charlie and Claire. I think Ethan took them. Ethan took them, huh? Yeah. Took them why? And who the hell's Ethan? I don't know. It wasn't on the listing, the manifest. You ever think you might have lied about his name? It's stupid to lie about your name. <sighs> Alrighty, Tattoo. Where do you think Ethan came from? Maybe he was already on the island before we were. <laughs> Got yourself one hell of an imagination, kid. There could be lots of other people on the island. So a tribe of evil natives planted a ringer in the camp to kidnap a pregnant girl and a reject from VH1 has-beens. Yeah, fiendishly clever. And why am I getting the evening news from a six-year-old? I'm ten. Okay. Then it must be true. If you don't believe me, ask Saeed. He said we're not alone. Saeed's back. Great scene, and then the scene between Sawyer and uh, Saeed is also uh, an amazing, intense 
conversation. They seem to like have find some common ground, like two episodes after um, Saeed tortures Sawyer. And uh, the other, then there's the scene where he's playing ba- where Walt is playing backgammon with Hurley, and he, as they're walking away, he goes, "You owe me twenty thousand dollars." And Hurley goes, "Don't worry, I'm good for it." Oh yeah, that's a great. Without so, getting into what that means, I mean, but like it's, it's so it's, good. It's a, it's a it's a great example of the show, sort of nodding at you know like things to come in a way that is uh, so really good. satisfying <clears throat> on the second viewing. Um, yep. And and yeah, like they, you know. Walt yeah. seems to be... Now, they're also... They do see... I mean, something's going on with Walt, right? Of, like, saying, like, uh, my mom says I was... The, or my dad, my other dad says I was the luckiest person he ever met, and then he keeps rolling the perfect rolls over and over. Like, yeah. it was a little spooky, right? Yeah, like, it's, a little, it's a little be, odd. And they seem to be setting something up that's weird and spooky about Walt. Yeah, or at least that there is something going on. Yes. Uh, and, and that's, you know... I mean, that whole scene, you know, other than being just a, a really cute uh, interaction between Hurley and, and Walt... Is you know it lays like groundwork for character work that will come in the future. And again, that's what the show is so great at is getting when you watch it a second time, you'll be like, aha, I see why they did that without like beating you over the head with, huh, huh, like yeah, like look where we're going with this. So uh, and yeah, that I, I really enjoyed that Sawyer and Saeed scene as well. I think Sawyer plays that scene really, really well. Just you know, as he grapples with the concept of there being other people on that island. You kind of see the, like the gears turning in his head as he realizes the situation here is probably going to get a lot more intense. Yep, and he, uh, I think this is another for me at least. This is another episode of of Sawyer redemption, kind of quietly in the background. Like it's not about Sawyer redeeming his character, but there continue to be really great scenes with Sawyer in them um, that make me like him more and see other like. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible that they're able to build him back up after the, the episode uh, where he, he uh, well, you think he has that inhaler the whole time. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, he just came off such a dick in that episode. Um, all right, so let's, uh, let, unless there's anything else, I think the last thing is the, the, the B story with Boone and Locke yep. um, also searching on their Which things. is really that, great. Like, oh, Boone, man. for a character that I'm not a huge fan of, mm-hmm. this is, like, so, like, this whole little sub-story is really charming, and, re- like, Boone has a lot of really great lines... Well, Boone's a dingus, but Locke is so happy to have... He's such in his element character-wise when someone mm-hmm. will, will think he's cool, right? Yep. He's, Locke so gets off on someone thinking he's cool. It doesn't matter that, that Boone's a dingus. Like, you're happy for Boone to be a dingus so that Locke can be, like, cool, yep. cool Locke, right? And Locke is never cooler than in this episode. So the first thing that you brought up is he goes, it's going to rain in a minute. And then they have this whole conversation about Star Trek. And Boone says, you ever watch Star Trek? And Locke goes, no, I've never seen it. Which is hilarious to me because Terry O'Quinn has a pretty major role in Star Trek. <laughs> He plays... Uh, uh, Such a great reference to other writers. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they, it has to have been... There's no way that isn't just like a funny nod. I think so, yeah. He is, he's in a very memorable episode called Pegasus in season seven of uh, Star Trek Next Generation. So he plays Admiral Pressman, who is the captain of uh, this ship called the Pegasus, and William Riker was uh, um, an officer on the Pegasus, and there's kind of some dark, uh, conspir- creepy uh, conspiracy stuff happening. Um, it's a, a great, really good like character episode for Riker. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's definitely a, a a pretty solid next gen episode, and Terry O'Quinn is a, is a good like imposing like authority figure, um, 
in that episode, and it was just uh, that that always that that conversation always always tickled me. Yep. Because I always knew Terry O'Connor. I never saw anything else that the guy was in, but I always recognized him from that episode of Star Trek. Yeah, and well, Terry O'Connor was you know up until Lost was one of those character actors that he would show up and think you once you saw Lost, you're like, oh yeah, like I've seen that guy like yeah, a in, million he's in times. West Wing a lot too. He yep. plays a general in West Wing. I don't know that he ever has a speaking part, but he's in the war room with the president all mm-hmm. the time. Um, and then um, um, this is one of my all. T- I, we got to be so careful with how we talk about it, but it is one of in in looking retrospect and looking back at the whole series. One of my favorite scenes in the whole run of the entire show is at the end. You know, their spirits are running low, and they're talking about how they have to go back. And Boone throws Lock the flashlight, and the flashlight slips and falls. Other way like, around, Lock. Oh, Lock throws Boone yeah. the flashlight. And the flashlight like, slips and falls, and it lands on the floor of the jungle, and it's like, it's, your it's thud. like, yeah, it's like you're like, ah, oh, things, nothing could get worse, right? Not a flashlight, <laughs> thing. but then it, you hear this metal clang as it hits the floor of the jungle, and you're like, what the fuck was that? Yep, uh, so good, and that's that mystery of what was the metal thing that the flashlight hit is going to be well explored in the remainder of this season and, in fact, um, subsequent seasons of Lost. Like, it will be an ongoing an ongoing uh, 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 subject of interest. Yeah, and they, like, quickly dispel sort of up front, you know, Boone goes, well, you know, it's probably just a piece of wreckage from, from the craft, and then as they, they start knocking on it and looking at it, like, they surmise, like, like, what is this thing? And then I think, like, Locke's final line is something along that's like, we're about to find out. And like, yeah. it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and that, oh, like, it's, you know, it's it's great that people now can just, like, immediately hit, because I don't think if I was watching this for the first time in sort of, like, shotgun fashion where I have all the episodes available to me, there is no human way I would not watch immediately that next episode. Oh, yeah. There's no way you're not hitting play and watching that next. And I don't blame people for doing that, but, but man, there is something. But the next episode, do they mention that metal thing at all? I don't know. I don't believe they I do. I, don't I think know. it's several episodes. I think they're just let it hang. But one of the one of the, the amazing things, and the one of the things I, you know, we're sort of losing in the way that things are distributed, uh, especially in sort of in the way that Netflix has established. Like, there's something kind of great about that weight. Like, there is something kind of fun about the distance you get and having to get anxious about getting, you know resolution to that dangling thread at the end of an episode. Like, it's awesome that you can just click play and just jump to the next episode, whether they answered it or not. Like, you do have the option of just jumping to the next episode and getting closer to that answer. And that's satisfying, and that's fine, and I actually think it resolves a lot of problems, pacing issues that the show had when it was aired originally, and it would go, you know, two months without an episode uh, in a really unsatisfying manner. But there is something about waiting a whole week and then, like... Watching that episode again and getting excited about like are they gonna, are they going to talk about that thing? So, well, and they, and it it should have always been a clue as to what was going on with Lost, what what game Lost was playing. That whenever they would introduce a, a mystery or something you wanted to see, you know, like for example, the whispers when Saeed is leaving the um, Rousseau's uh, cabin. You know, he does mention that to Sawyer, and that give, Sawyer gives him just like the weirdest look when he tries to explain that. Yeah. But it's also a, a great moment of in a show that often did not have characters talking about the weird stuff that happens to them. Like it was really cool to watch Side and Sawyer like articulate like a very 
weird well, thing a, that happened a, to say. This was a, that's a satisfying, such a satisfying scene because it's one of those rare times in Lost when two characters sit down and talk about the information. <laughs> Let's talk about what just happened. Yeah, right. Which is what that you was weird, see. right? Like well, that yeah. was weird. That's what you want to see as as the viewer, um, and it's only a few times. Like there's some subsequent talk about the polar bear, but then we haven't heard about the polar bear since, except for that one throwaway joke on the golf course. Which is the show acknowledging that it's very difficult to create those moments without it becoming sort of an exposition dump, right? right? And, right. and all, sh- all shows that are plot-heavy, mythology-heavy, eventually have exposition dumps because just naturally integrating conversations about mythology are difficult to do without it sounding very forced. Right. But that's like an instance where you have Said and Sawyer, who have a characters with conflict that can find common ground over this place is weird. I have seen weird things. Yeah, so, so my... What I was thinking about is, like, it should have been a clue to us watching this, you know, for viewers watching this when it was on TV about what kind of, like, game Lost was playing, that they would almost never directly address a mystery the week after you discover it. So, mm. you, you know, you didn't see anything about the the, the, the whispers uh, was, was the example I thought of. You didn't see anything about the polar bear the next week. You know, I don't think next week you see anything about the, the metal thing in the jungle. Um, but what you do see is character follow-up, right? So, yep. like, the week after... Um, uh, uh, there's a Sawyer, you know, uh, episode. You see a little Sawyer scene afterwards. Uh, the week after you get uh, a, a Jin and Son episode, you see some good Jin and Son scenes afterwards. Uh, and that's what they're interested in following through on. It's like the week, like you know, the week after people have a very dramatic like flashback thing, you get to see some cool scenes with that character uh, and see them interacting with everyone and see what they learn from you know, I guess remembering their time off the island. Yeah, it's it's them setting up like, hey, like. We are, this thing is going to be important. Like, they're making, a, you know, putting at the end, having the characters focus on it, it's, it's, it is, you know, I guess it could be a red herring, uh, but, you know, it's, they're very much saying this is important, but if you remember the end of the episode, like, the di- real dangling thread is where the hell is Claire, yeah. right? So they're mostly being like, hey, we're introducing this new thing, pay attention, here's the shiny new object, but then we're going to loop back around to what these characters should be caring about, what it, it actually is more important, is like where did one of their own go? What does it mean for someone to not be on the manifest? Like, what does that say about like what else is is on this island? Yeah. So let's do some trivia. Yeah. Looks like we've got some good episode ten trivia let's here. Let's see. Uh, so yeah, this comes from you know as uh, as most do from Lost Lostpedia. Um, so this is the first episode in which. Uh, Yunjin Kim, who is uh, uh, son, does not does not appear at all. Um, it's the only one that she does not appear in, in any episode in the first season, I guess. Uh, and so yeah, we alluded to this earlier that it was originally called "What It Takes," um, which was a reference to Christian uh, having a, a chat with Jack in White Rabbit earlier in the season. Um, Boone uh, also in an, an alternate version of this. Uh, of this, an earlier version of the script, Boone didn't go along with Locke. Two new guest characters, Arthur and Sullivan, went with him instead. Uh, can't say the rest of that trivia. But anyway, um, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting that there was an alternate path where the show chose to introduce two new guest characters from, like, you know, and this is something the show struggled with, was like, hey, just pluck some people from the background and put them in the foreground. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the show is very good at introducing new characters, but it was very bad at introducing 
new characters from the perspective that they were just like they were just hanging around the whole time, and now they're a character on the show. You know, well, they did that pretty well with Ethan, but they layered that over multiple episodes. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I think it's curious. Maybe it was just plot reasons. You know, maybe they identified the difficulty of bringing in just other survivors. But uh, kind of, kind of, I'd love to know who those characters were, uh, even even though they didn't end up going with it. Uh, the discovery of the the piece of metal uh, would, in an earlier script happened at the very beginning instead of at the end. Hmm. Um, and in one version of the script, uh, Kate and Jack came under a dart attack. While hunting for Ethan, Damon Lindelof said it was too cheesy. I'm glad they handled it how it did, because I think it leaves a lot more mystery of, like, did he did he really see Ethan? How much of that conversation I wonder, like and, that? and I wonder if the cheesiness is like, oh, it's it's the natives of an island. They're going to they're gonna shoot at you with little, like, darts. Yeah. I, mean, I think that might be where that came from, and, and Lindelof was probably uh, right on, on that point, so... Um, all right, so let's uh, close out this week, and um, we have a good amount of spoiler chat to do. So let's see, next week we are watching episode 11, whatever the case may be. This is our second Kate episode. I do not remember anything about this flashback. Oh, nope. yes, I do. It uh, involves the briefcase on the island. Oh. And the thing in the briefcase. Oh, ooh, that, that, that's, that's mm. some... Uh, eh. nah. I don't think I'm into it. Maybe I'll be wrong. Uh, I do like the On Island story next week. Mm-hmm. I'm not crazy about the flashback. Uh, show notes for this episode and every episode. Are vi- and I will post a picture of this ridiculous uh, uh, mixing board setup that we have. Are available at rewatchpodcast.com. Uh, as always, you can email us your questions and comments at rewatchpodcast at gmail.com. Patrick, do you have that phone number? No. Thank you to Steve Fobwash came for our artwork. Uh, got to meet Fobwash at the Giant Bomb meetup in uh, San Francisco. The nicest guy. Very, he is. Very handsome. He is. He's, he's handsome, very buff he's a, as well. He's, he's like, a handsome He's really man. got it together. He does not look like he reads uh, Giant Bomb. He looks what like are you trying uh, to say? He looks like, uh, like a normal, well-adjusted, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, very talented uh, artist. Uh, thank you to Dose One for our theme music. You can check out his work, including his ringtone of the month, at doseone.bandcamp.com. Uh, no sponsor this week so I think that is it Uh, I will just uh, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week as soon as Patrick reads out this phone number it's not working okay well we'll uh, we'll tweet it out we'll tweet it out alright thank you guys we'll see you next week Spoiler chat. All right, let me do. I had a, I just two little things first. So the thing about Kate's father, where she says like my father was in the army. You later, I think the only time you see Kate's father is he's in the military, and I think he's like in. You see, you meet him in a Saeed flashback in Iraq. Oh, I think yeah. Let me look that this up. Vaguely, maybe that was just a conspiracy theory. Maybe that was just a theory online. Ugh, yeah, here we go. Wikipedia.
so you do not see her biological father, but you do see, yeah, you do see the, yeah. He was in Kuwait with Saeed. He's one of the soldiers that releases Saeed. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's vaguely familiar. But I, I like most of Kate backstory information has been, I think like in terms of uh, purging lost information, I think my brain, you know, in terms of hierarchy was like, yeah, get, Ugh, get rid of that case stuff. I remember they, 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 it was like such a good fan theory when it was like, I bet this guy, when that aired, someone was like, I bet this guy is Kate's father. It was like, oh shit, it is. And I don't think they ever. It, it doesn't it. really. It, it doesn't really go anywhere. No, it? it was just, it's just like a little. It's just one of those little like milieu things that I loved about Lost, where it was just like everyone was connected to everyone else in their backstories. Um, I also had something about punching Charlie in the chest. Oh yeah, I remember. Is this like the healing power of the island? Like Charlie should have died, right? He was hanging there for a while. Hmm. Even if he. Was I mean, yeah. Like so, that's explored in uh, season three. Mm-hmm. When Desmond keeps trying to die, right? What isn't isn't or isn't there a character at some point who keeps trying to kill themselves but can't but can't kill themselves? No, it's some Charlie is trying to kill himself and Desmond keeps saving Charlie. Yeah, that's it. Remember, Charlie is like destined to die. He's not okay. trying to kill himself. He's destined to die. But isn't there? So Desmond is like no, builds the lightning isn't rod. There like a, there's another... No, lightning hits Charlie. He's going to hit Charlie, but Desmond builds the lightning rod and it saves right, Charlie. And there's that whole thing with the helicopter that's never really explained. Like, what was that helicopter? Why that helicopter? I thought that there's a thread at some point in the show where a character keeps trying to kill themselves, but the island's not done with them yet, so they're unable to kill themselves, and everything goes wrong when they try to kill themselves. Was that Locke? Maybe that was Locke. No. I feel like up. that's a thing. Lost character keeps trying to kill themselves. Um, this is just bringing up a lot of things about suicide that I don't want to. I want to look at. It. I say so someone in. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Oh, it's Michael. Michael, remember he tries to shoot himself. Yeah. Yeah, and the so island, I'm not crazy. he's like the island won't let him die. Yeah, I think that was the writers wouldn't let him die. <laughs> but uh, no, but there is the. But there island. was this idea no, established island, that if the island had some. It, remember, it, Rose has cancer, and the island heals Rose's cancer. Right, right. But that's but that happens. Obviously, Locke can walk again. The island does have some healing power. And there are those healing you spots mean, in the around the world Saeed. that are related to the island that aren't actually on the island. I guess. I mean, doesn't um, yeah? Because there's that time when someone goes out to the middle of the desert and gets healed. There's like there is. magnetic resonant points in various parts of the earth that are have properties. So magnets similar. heal you in Lost. It's magnetic, uh, but it, it's got like there are parts on the world that have similar properties to the island, um, and uh, but yeah, there is this running thread that the island has purpose for the people that are here, and if you are here. Then, or I guess it's Jacob, right? Like Jacob essentially won't let you die. Like Jacob, de- Jacob designates you are a candidate. Once you are a candidate, then Jacob can prevent you from dying. That doesn't satisfy me. I don't know. I feel like that's it's, true, it's, though. It's, there's some, and that probably explains why can, Charlie can't die. I can buy that there's some sort of healing power on the island, mm-hmm. and his characters are healed. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe Charlie's a candidate. No, he's not a candidate because he dies in the. In the the you know the thing hatch mm-hmm. or whatever. No, in the in the he's underwater. The underwater hatch. The underwater <laughs> the big underwater hatch. Yeah, the underwater hatch. 
Through the looking glass. Through the looking glass. Through the looking glass station, right? That's, that's what that that's would what be called. why it's called that. Um, no, I think I think there is something. I, people will, Ron uh, will. I, I don't know. I guess Ron's a big fan of Lost. Will Ron email us with like some spoiler corrections? I hope he takes the time to write into this program with his comments. Ron, please write into this program. If you're listening to this, Ron, it would it would make my day if you could correct me. All right. Well, do your do your follow up here. I'm curious to hear this one. Um, okay, Mark uh, sent in an email. Hi guys, I'm enjoying the podcast so far. Uh, so far, so he's implying that it, it could get really. He hasn't bad. heard this one. Yet. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it's caused my wife and I to rewatch Lost at a faster clip than you guys. We're already halfway through season three. Probably by the time between when he sent this email and when we're reading it, he's probably finished the show. Uh, so he continues. Being as such, some of this magic box stuff is fresh in my head, so I want to share it since it's come up in the last two spoiler chats. Uh, the magic box is a metaphor for the power and reach the other's organization has. It's introduced in the same episode where Ben manipulates Locke to blow up the submarine, even after Alex, who is escorting Locke to the submarine, tells Locke that Ben is manipulating him. By the end, when Ben reveals that he has summoned Locke's father from the magic box, Ben has now hooked Locke. It's only then that Locke keeps harping on the magic box in future episodes to the point where Ben barks at him, it's just a metaphor, John. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. There isn't, yeah, there's nothing more to the magic box than that. Yeah, that's satisfying. I just or is that, or, but, or is that, I don't like, is the, that the show recognizing maybe how they used the magic box was maybe imperfect? This is long. So then they have the writers kind of shouting, like, it's almost like the writers being condescending potentially to the audience and saying, like, look, stop obsessing over the magic box. The magic box does not exist. But if the writers didn't have to communicate through their characters and say it's just a metaphor, maybe you explained the metaphor wrong. Now, I didn't have a problem with it as much as you did, but I think them, the, the, like Damon Lindelof or whoever having to speak through that line, usually it's not necessarily that your audience is dumb. Like it's somewhere in between of the audience didn't get your metaphor and maybe your metaphor was a little ham-fisted or weird. Well, it's also like... I, this was already when the show, when this happened, the show had already developed a very contentious relationship with the fans and with the audience. Um, and I think, like, some of the. I, I have to is feel that like. Season, season three, three, three through. Is it three? It's well, ongoing, three, well, right? Yeah, basically yeah. the end of season three through the end, when they, when they start the, the trip to the end of the series. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like in general, like, the way, like. You know, that does not, that whole version of Locke, right, where he has that whole tragic end, doesn't feel to me like the same Locke who's, who's like, it's going to rain in, in one minute, right? Like sh- what about the Locke in that really great Lost episode, that Locke Lost episode where he goes to, like, that weed camp? And then, do you remember that one? I kind of do. Where he gets, like, suckered into, like, this, like, weird... I don't even know what it was. It was the worst. Yeah, like what was that? They were growing weed, and then the FBI shows up. It was a bad episode. It's one of those lost backstory episodes. You just yeah, I vaguely remember that. But it was like yeah, the one that you knew was bad. It was just another one that's like, gee, Locke is just such a sucker, and just the whole world just keeps taking advantage of this poor naive little man, which is contrasted against like you know, Hunter badass Locke on the island. But it was just like. You know, it was the equivalent of, like, all those Kate episodes over and over again. Right, and also just, like, Locke's backstories were always made him... Uh, he was never a satisfying character. Like, 
like uh, I, I, I guess I just I don't know maybe what I find, maybe I guess I just want a more like traditional hero's journey for Locke of like I wanted him to be pathetic and then become really cool and save the day and the show tried really gonna, hard to continue to make him be pathetic. Yeah, it's, it wasn't going to give it to you, right? They are, they're subverting that, and I, I understand that's the point of it. But Locke's backstory stuff never clicked for me, with the exception of the episodes with his father. And even that was a little hit or miss because it's like every other episode, you know, it's like he how many out of how a many, window. I <laughs> know yeah, that was so dumb, but it was like how many how many stories about people's dysfunctional relationships with their fathers like can the show sustain? I guess a lot, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, yeah. There's a. Uh... You know, the, this episode we talked about all the best cowboys have daddy issues. Like, is indicative of where the sh- the show probably disproportionately pulls from as a source of conflict or reasons for why these people are the way they are. Is that was the great Jeff Jeff Lieber knock against the the lost uh, uh, that shipped right versus his yeah. thing was he's like I might not have given like literally every character like daddy issues. <laughs> yep. But, uh, yeah, it's a little uh, it's a little repetitive. All right, should we call it? Yeah, that's a show. Let's do it. That's a program.